gosh, if we could just get the church back to the way it was in New Testament times, everything would be hunky-dory. Well, whoever said that never bothered to read the New Testament. Whoever said that never bothered to read the letters of the Apostle Paul. And I'm telling you, whoever read that never bothered to learn anything about the church at Corinth. I, I, I just uh, pulled out kind of an outline of this letter that Paul writes to the church at Corinth in my study Bible. And, and I'm telling you all, it is, it's a list of problems, one problem after another, all the way through the letter. Now, now, scholars believe this is like the third letter that Paul has written to them, but they've got problems with division, they've got problems with sexual immorality, they, they've got problems with one member taking another member of the church to court over things that they could have handled as followers of Jesus. They've got questions about marriage, uh, they've got questions about worship. They're not celebrating the Lord's Supper in a way that pleases the Lord. In, in, in ancient times, whenever they celebrated the Lord's Supper, it was always in the context of a, a, a meal, like a fellowship meal like we would have. But the rich folks of the church were coming and they were eating all the food early. The, the younger folks, the, the poorer folks, the, the folks that had to work came late. They didn't have anything to eat. It was displeasing the Lord. Just one problem after another. Spiritual gifts. Oh my gosh, they, they were messed up about spiritual gifts. They didn't understand about the resurrection. It just went one trouble right after another. You know, if I were a pastor and somebody said, hey, you, you feel like God's calling you to this kind of church? It's like, absolutely not. <laughs> That's the last place I want to go. Uh, Henry Ward Beecher, uh, who uh, was a pastor back in the 1800s, uh, went out looking for a horse one day. He had to buy a horse and found this horse and was talking to the owner about it and he, he said, so tell me, you know, what can I expect from her? I'll just read to you what he said. He said, well, it's gentle, it's quiet. It, it will do anything you ask it to. It won't kick or bite. Stands without needing to be hitched. Only requires basic care. And Beecher was just patting the horse. He said, wow, what a horse. If only it were a member of my congregation. <laughs> you <know>, why? Why? <clears throat> why are there, there just so many problems when it comes to church life? And why are there so many struggles and challenges in, in our lives? With, with all of this focus on problems, the thing that has puzzled me, though, is, is how can Paul be so thankful? <laughs> you know, he starts off this letter praising God, thanking God, encouraging these, these very people in this church who are making such a mess of everything. But did you hear what he said? Grace and peace to you, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I think I would have had my finger out doing like this. You know? He says, I always thank God for you. Really? I always thank God for you? Boy, I, I'm running the other way. When I first heard him say that, I thought that Paul is just being sarcastic here. He doesn't really mean that. And yet I actually think he does. He's thankful for them. He, he lists some of the things he's thankful for. He says, I'm thankful because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. That's, that's a way of saying because they heard the gospel. They realized their need. They realized what Christ had done for them through his death and resurrection and they believed. He, he said, he said uh, I'm thankful because you do, let's see, because you have been enriched in every way in all your speaking and all your knowledge. That, that's a way of saying that they were actually growing in their faith. 
that if they were thinking about what this gospel meant and they were learning how to actually practice it in their living, he says, I, I, I'm thankful because you do not lack any spiritual gift. They realize that every person of a church has a gift to give. And the people in this church were using those gifts. They, they were talented at that. And then, sort of the capstone, he says, I realize that, that, that God is still working with you. He says, God who has called you into fellowship with his son, our Lord Jesus Christ, is faithful. And in the verse before that, he said, he will keep you strong until the end. See, the truth is, this church at Corinth was a success story. It really was. You know how many people were followers of Jesus before Paul came to Corinth? Big zero. Zip. Nobody, nobody in Corinth was a follower of Jesus. Paul came to Corinth. He found Aquila and Priscilla, who were tent makers as he was, and they came to faith because of what Paul told them. He goes to the synagogues on the Sabbath. He, he tells them about Jesus. Many of the people in the synagogue begin to believe, even Sosthenes, who was the ruler of the synagogue, and his whole family believed. So many people began to believe in Jesus Christ that the Jewish folks get jealous and they create a public disturbance as a result of it. Amazing things were happening at this church. And I think what happened to me is I just forgot. I forgot how far they'd come. How much they'd succeeded. I mean, think about it. Think about it. This city, Corinth, in, in, in which all this is taking place. Now, it was one of the crossroads of the Roman Empire. It was a place where all kinds of religious groups and different sorts of religious ideas were coming in. Um, I think at the, at the time Paul was writing this letter, scholars say there's something like 12 different temples in the city itself. That's like 12 different pagan um, Greek, Roman gods were being worshipped and people were following them. I mean, there was the, the god uh, Apollesius. He was the god of healing. There, there was Apollo, the god of the sun. And then there was uh, Aphrodite, who was uh, the goddess of love. And with the, with the practice of worshiping Aphrodite, there was cultic prostitution. There was cultic prostitution. In fact, at one time, in Corinth, apparently, with this temple, there were more than a thousand men and women who were prostitutes for Aphrodite. You can imagine, it was a very popular religion. <laughs> you know, you didn't have to say to your teenager, we get up, we're going to church this morning. We're ready, Mom! You know, it was a very popular religion. And so you think about, you know, there were all these religious groups, and, and the way these things work is that, is that religious groups is not just happens, what happens religiously happens not just in a church. It doesn't happen just in a gathering. It, it, it gets into every other part of life as well. So if you happen to be a, a tradesperson, a, a craftsman, you would be a part of a, a guild. And that guild was most likely connected with one of these temples. Or let's say you, you went to the marketplace, you want to buy a steak, or pot roast to serve your family for dinner. That pot roast had probably come from being sacrificed on one of the idols of these pagan gods. And, and that's, the, that's sort of the culture that they lived in. Now think about this. 
And yet these folks had wiped all of that out of their minds. They walked away from that and they become followers of Jesus Christ. They realized that there was but one true God and that God was known through Jesus. And, and they were willing to follow this man who had been executed as a Roman criminal on the cross. It's truly, it's truly an amazing thing. Sometimes I just think we forget how far they've come and how far people our day have come. Um, King Duncan was a, a pastor, well-known pastor in Knoxville, Tennessee, back uh, several years ago. He, he was at a, a big old first church sort of situation. Well, one morning, he's listening to the radio before church. Now, this is before live streaming. This is before a lot of TV ministry. Radio, uh, church services were kind of the thing. So he's listening to these this church service, and it's a Pentecostal church. And uh, he knew the, the Pentecostal guy because he was there in Knoxville. And uh, he respected him. He said the guy was a little emotional for him, but he, he truly respected what he was doing. And he's listening to him. And, and he said what he heard the guy say just, just kind of totally surprised him. The, the pastor said, and this is on radio, he said, uh, before we start today, I've got a couple of things I want to say. He said, some of you are getting up and moving around too much during the time when I'm preaching, and it's distracting. Don't do that. And he said, some of you are getting up, and uh, you're going to the restroom uh, during uh, worship. He said, don't do that. He said, I don't do that, and you don't need to either. And King is going, this is going out over the radio. People are hearing this. He's embarrassed. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's embarrassed for this guy. And, and he was feeling, well, thank goodness my church isn't like that. And then God poked him a little bit. And God said to him, King, do you realize that most of the people in this church weren't involved in church a year ago? King, do you, do you realize that most of the people who are coming to this church, that church, you know, we're, we're drug addicts or struggling with alcohol. Do you remember some of them were in jail? You know, it's like God, God was saying, get off your high horse. We forget how far people come when they begin as followers of Jesus. When you begin as a follower of Jesus, you're beginning. You come to the church. You, you bring all your sins. You bring all your brokenness. You bring all your pain. Now, God doesn't want us to stay that way. God, God wants us to grow. God wants us to change. But look, it's a process. It takes time. Paul is thankful for these Corinthian Christians because they have come to faith in Jesus Christ and now they are following him. It's like Martin Luther King used to say to his congregation. He said, we ain't what we ought to be. We ain't what we want to be. We ain't what we're going to be. But thank God we ain't what we used to be. That's a part of the reason Paul is thankful. Amen to that, right? Amen. Thank God we ain't what we used to be. And we're just like that. We're just like that. There's another reason, though, I believe Paul is thankful. Because this church really does have some problems. And you and I have problems. We have areas of our lives that we have not given to God. We have ways of living in our lives that need to be changed. 
And, and we struggle with those. And the church has ways it needs to conform to the plan of God as well. God doesn't want us to stay the same. But what Paul says and what I love about it, and I think the reason he can be so affectionate toward these folks, is he says, God who has called you into fellowship with his son Jesus Christ is faithful. He will keep you strong to the end. He's saying, God is not finished with you yet. God is not finished with you yet. You know, this week I was um, just talking to a friend. And he and I, in the midst of the conversation, uh, talked about a, an acquaintance. And before I knew it, I found myself kind of saying things in a little bit of a derogatory way. And my friend said, Tom, you know, you really could say that in a different way. <laughs> And as soon as he said that, it was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry, you know. Why do I do that? I've been a Christian for how many years? And sometimes that I, I look back at, at my church, the churches that I've served as pastors, you know. I was looking back at one of the churches and I, I thought, my gracious, those folks are still struggling with that same problem that we were dealing with way back when I was there. And sometimes we get kind of put out with ourselves. We've got to put out with the church. We go, gosh, why aren't things? We've got to remember this. God, who called us into fellowship with Jesus Christ, is faithful, and he's working with us. He's working with us to the end. Rend Collective is a um, Christian group that I, I love the, their music. They wrote a song uh, called Creating Me. It, it's based on Psalm 51, which you may remember is the, the psalm that David wrote after he had committed the affair with Bathsheba and murdered Uriah. And it's a psalm of confession and a prayer. And so they, they've written their song as a prayer to God. And it's really simple, but it's powerful and it hangs with me a lot. Here's what it says. Create in me a clean, clean heart. Create in me a work of art. Create in me a miracle, something new, something beautiful. Because you're not finished with me yet. You're not finished with me yet. By your power, I can change. I can change. Because you're not finished with me yet. Isn't that true for you and me? I mean, sometimes I look at my life and I just go, gosh, Tom, <laughs> You've been a Christian all this time and you're still struggling with that? You're still dealing with that? Still dealing with that? Sometimes I look at our church and I say, gosh, there's this problem and that problem. It's so easy, I think, for us to kind of get down on things. But there's hope. There's hope. God is not finished with it, us yet. So Advent is a time when we need to take a look at ourselves. It's a time when we need to take a look at our church. It's a time when we need to take a look at our world. God invites us. God says, the kingdom's here. My call for you's here. My life for you's over here. And we find ourselves somewhere over here. We've got a long way to go. But we don't want to get discouraged during this time. We don't, we don't simply focus on that which needs to change. What we focus on is the one who can bring change in our lives. The one who's coming at Christmas. And the one who did it indeed is coming again, our Lord Jesus Christ. Because he is faithful. 
The one who called you. The one who invited you to follow him. He's the one who's going to get you and me through to the very end. And I think that's hope. That's good news on this first Sunday in Advent. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Spirit.